And one of the scriptures that is often referenced a lot when we're talking about money, and I know everybody has heard of it, it's that money is the root of all evil, right? And we know that that's not the true scripture. The true scripture is the love of money is the root of, actually, it's all kinds of evil. But it's not about getting the money. It's about what I'm doing in the process, who I'm becoming in the process. And so if you are exchanging your time for money, I'm going to challenge you on this. If, if you're working a 40-hour-a-week job, a 50-hour-a-week, a 60-hour-a-week job, and you are leaving what you tout as what you truly love, which would be maybe your family, your wife, your kiddos, whatever it is, you're leaving that to go work a job to make money, I'm going to challenge you that you are loving money in that process. Join us April 26th and 27th in Frisco, Texas for a Becoming the CEO of Your Life live event. This is a two-day event that we host every single month in a different city across the country. This one's coming up in Frisco, Texas, again, April 26th and 27th. We're going to be covering the five power pillars and how to maximize every single one, our mental, emotional, our physical, our spiritual, and the financial components. If we can operate in excellence in every single one of these areas, we know that we are going to be walking in the God-given calling that he has for us. We're going to be able to discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents. And as you know, it starts with vision. If we can enlarge our vision, you'll be able to fulfill your mission. So join us April 26th and 27th, Frisco, Texas. We'll see you there. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council podcast. And we're going to change it up a little bit this week. We got a solo episode coming from yours truly, primarily because it's been a crazy week. We've been hosting the Become the CEO of Your Life event, which has been absolutely epic. We've had upwards of a thousand people live on this over the last couple of days. And one of the topics I, I dove into this week or kind of went on a little bit of a tangent on had to do with money. And that's what I'm going to dive into here. I'm going to continue my tangent, and I might ruffle a few feathers when it comes to this topic, but hey, I really feel like this is God-given, and, and this is something that we need to talk about here, especially right now with what's going on just in the world today, really why Steve and I have, have aligned together and formed the King's Council, our coaching program, is really to, we talk a, a lot about maxing out the, the five power pillars, our mental, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual life, and then the last one is the financial component as well. And if any listeners are on here and, and are thinking, well, you know, money's just, uh, money's not important to me, or it's just not that big of a deal, or I'm just, I just want enough to get by, I'm going to challenge you on this podcast here. So listen up, dive into me, stick with me here, stick with me over the next probably 20, 30 minutes or so. We're going to peel back the onion on this. And if there's any questions after the fact, I'd love to have a conversation with you. So here we go. First off, as entrepreneurs, and, and, and as you know, if you've listened to me at all, you know that my view is that we are all entrepreneurs, right? The root word of entrepreneur is, is that's a French word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it means to undertake, right? That's, that's all it means. It doesn't mean that you run a company or you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or anything along those lines. It just means that you are an undertaker. If you are an entrepreneur, you are an undertaker. So therefore, I view us all as entrepreneurs, right? Because we need to be able to wake up and approach life 
as undertakers. We're going to undertake the task at hand, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you are a Mary Kay rep, you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you're an IT guy, you're a student, you are still an entrepreneur if we take a look at the root word of it. All right, so here's the deal. A lot of us think of entrepreneurship as like you are in business for yourselves. So certainly let's look at our lives as we are running our own business, right? You're a businessman or you are the business man. Let's look at it that way. And from a societal standpoint, oftentimes we put a value or we're able to measure our success, right? There's a lot of versions of success out there, which by the way, my definition of success is to be able to do what you want, when you want, how you want, where you want, with who you want, right? Like it's just basically your time is more important than anything else out there. Time and relationships, okay? Now we're gonna talk about how money is important to be able to assist in that because money's not everything unless you don't have enough of it. And, and then it quickly becomes our everything, which is oftentimes in my belief that oftentimes the reason why we are constantly chasing it and it's constantly fleeing us. Right, we're gonna dive into some more of that here as we as we move along. But here we go. Money is simply if we look at like how it has come about, like the dollar, the yen, the peso, whatever it is, your version of money. Money is simply a medium of exchange based upon the value that we put on it. That's all it is. Two thousand plus years ago, you can read all sorts of different Bible verses on it. Which, by the way, another reason why I know and believe money is important is because it's talked about over 2,000 times in the Bible. Wealth, possessions, and money is talked about literally more in the Bible than salvation. So I know if it matters to God, it better matter to us. So I know I'm gonna have some believers on here that's just gonna ruffle their, their feathers a little bit, maybe a little awkward in having this conversation, but that's cool. I wanna make this awkward for us, and I would encourage you, reach out, ask some questions. If some of this doesn't land well, I'm happy to have a further conversation if we need any clarity on this. Because everything that I'm going to talk about here, I know and believe it is backed by scripture. And if it's not, then I, I will certainly fact check all of that. But this is what I believe to be true when it comes to the word of God and how we have been misinformed, I would say somewhat even disinformed, right? Like purposely been warped within our mind because the uh, concept of doubt or questioning God started in the book of Genesis. When Adam was asked within the garden, he was like, did God really say that? Like right then and there, that put a question in our mind of questioning God and the promises that he has for us, right? So that's been happening since the beginning of time virtually. So how much more, and, and one of the scriptures that is often referenced a lot when we're talking about money, and I know everybody has heard of it, it's that money is the root of all evil, right? And we know that that's not the true scripture. The true scripture is the love of money is the root of, actually, it's all kinds of evil. And here, here's how I know money is not evil, because if it was evil, wouldn't all the Christians just have all of it? Wouldn't, wouldn't Satan just be like, yeah, here's all the money, take all the money, because I know that it's evil, Right? Think about this with you. Just walk through this with me here, guys. It's the love of money. And the only way that we continually love money, and I'm gonna, this is going to rock some of you guys here. Listen up. So many of us, especially as believers, as Christians, are loving money in our poverty. Right? The problem is that we are loving money in our poverty. Because if you think about it, what is it that you do with stuff that you love? Think about your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever it is. You love them. What do you want to do? You want to constantly pursue them, right? You want to spend time with them. 
You're, you're going to work to nurture that relationship. You're constantly pursuing that. So the love of that absolutely is the root of all kinds of evil. And if we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, we're going to talk about employment, and I'm going to maybe just challenge your thought process here on how we view what we're putting our time, energy, and effort into to earn money, right? Versus spending time with our friends, our family, our, the loved ones, right? And here's what I mean by that. If any of you are sitting on here and you're listening to this and it's like, you know what? Money and religion just shouldn't exist together, right? That's completely false. I mean, th th there's again, the reason why it is mentioned so many times in the Bible, it's because it is important. It's not everything, right? Money isn't everything unless you don't have enough of it, then it quickly becomes your everything. It's not everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. Our mentor, Keith Kraft, says that a lot. And when he, he used to travel, go on tour with Zig Ziglar, that was one of the things that he would say from stage, like, money's not everything, but it's pretty close to oxygen, right? Because it's a value of exchange that we're able to use to do wonderful things with. It's the stewardship that we, uh, how we use money is what is the most important thing. And we can dive into the parable of the talents, right? And the person that hid his talents and dug a hole and, and saved it, right? And then there's the other one that he doubled it. And then the other one five times it, right? It's like, what's the difference here? And it's because it's, it's how we're using the money and stewarding the money. And nothing wrong with Dave Ramsey. He helps a lot of people. But I'm telling you, if you are looking to be a kingdom-minded entrepreneur to further the kingdom, and your goal is just to get out of debt, I'm telling you, that's not a kingdom mindset, Right. First, yeah, we do need to get out of debt, and Dave may have some good concepts to be able to help you get out of debt. But from there, I'm telling you, money is a tool that we need to use to further and advance the kingdom. Okay, so let, let's dive into this here. Right? God does not hate money. He's given it to us for a reason. The problem is, as I mentioned, people are loving money in their poverty. Right? And if you are an employee of somebody and you're telling me, uh, or you just have this thought process, this mindset, or you grew up in this way that thinking that people with money are greedy, right? Or, you know, you're always just chasing more money or, you know, building this next business. And believe me, I've had these people in my life, right? I've started multiple different companies. And I do love that thrill of the hunt of starting these different companies and that dopamine release. I, I love that. I like that. That's just so fun to me, right? But it's not about getting the money. It's about what I'm doing in the process, who I'm becoming in the process, and so if you are exchanging your time for money, I'm going to challenge you on this. If, if you're working a 40-hour-a-week job, a 50-hour-a-week, a 60-hour-a-week a job, and you are leaving what you tout as what you truly love, which would be maybe your family, your wife, your kiddos, whatever it is, you're leaving that to go work a job to make money, I'm going to challenge you that you are loving money in that process, right? Because somebody's putting a value on that time, energy, and effort, and you are leaving the things that you so so-called love, you've put a value on that high enough that you're going to leave them for that period of time to make money. Okay, now I'm going to unpack this for you guys a little bit. And partly I want to, I want to first off talk about the Christian economy, right? The biblical economy, which is something really, which is at the desire of my heart here, the passion that I have for this. And, and why I think that we so need to come together and lock arms and be able to just build this new economy that is just not existent. And what I mean by that is our economy, 
if you look at the, you know, you can just turn on the news and it's like, well, is it a good economy? Is it a bad economy? Right? Like, who? what does it matter that, that the economy, because we all have our own economies, right? It needs to start in our home. And if you're worried, I, I would say, I guess, if, if I'm an employee, I would be worried about the economy, right? Because I'm allowing somebody else to put that pressure on me if it's a good economy. Like if I'm going to get fired and it's a bad economy, first off, if you get fired, you got a bad economy, right? Because your economy starts at home. Okay. So if we can remove ourselves from just this concept of the news of telling us, oh, we're going into a recession or it's a good economy, it's a bad economy, and just start to create our own economy by having this entrepreneurship mindset, right? This undertake mindset, especially as kingdom entrepreneurs. And I know not everybody that listens to this is a Christian or a believer, but I'm going to talk about this specifically here that so many other religions have great economies, right? The Muslim religion, they can literally infiltrate a, a country, an area of people. And they can come into a community with 3% of the population and can completely overtake a, that community. And here's how they do it. Entrepreneurship, right? Because they are so committed to each other that the Muslim community will actually, for every $1 that is spent within the Muslim community, it exchanges hands within that community 14 to 16 times, 14 to 16 times before it ever leaves the Muslim community. The Jewish community is between 10 to 12 times. It's exchanging hands within that community between 10 to 12 times. The Christian community, the Christian economy, zero to one time, zero to one time. There's zero commitment to Christians with how they view money. Right? And this is part of the problem. We see something that's on sale. It's like, oh, well, we'll just go there. I don't care if they're a believer or not. And so there, there's no loyalty to supporting other Christian believers. And I, this is part of my passion within the King's Council and the community that we're building. It's like we're going to be supporting each other on this movement to be able to not just like support each other, but to know that every dollar that we're sowing into each other is going to be reaped. Right? I'm such a believer in the law of sowing and reaping, which is an absolute law. What you sow, you will reap, okay? Now, the problem is, the, part of the, the Christian economy and community is that we've become so reliant on other people to provide us a job, right? And this goes back to, you know, a century ago, more than a century ago. If you look at really just how, and this is, I'm gonna go deep here with you guys here. If you look at the Industrial Revolution, which happened, you know, the late 1800s, leading into the early 1900s, over 100 years ago, now 150 years ago when this really started, right? Because they needed employees. They needed people. That these factories were being built. They needed people to show up, punch a clock, and, and go to work for a set period of time. And then that would be their first shift. And then they started to do second shifts and third shifts, right? So they're getting people to comply, to come, and they're able to put a value or a dollar amount on their time based upon what they're providing for them during that time, right? If you look at the traditional school system today and how that's evolved really since the, the early 1900s, this is what we're going to peel back on. If we look at this and how it's evolved, we are teaching, we are in, my belief is we are really indoctrinating kids how to become employees. Okay, first off, I want to be clear. There's nothing wrong if you are an employee 
You are providing a service for a certain amount of time. You're getting paid based upon that value that somebody else has placed on you or that you're allowing somebody else to place on you. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. However, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you that that is not necessarily a biblical philosophy. Okay. If we dive into the Bible and, and what, what the Bible says, or really, if we look at just employment or entrepreneurship within the Bible, if we go back into it. You can look that there were masters, there were servants, there were laborers, and then there were certainly slaves, right? So masters, servants, laborers, and slaves during this time. And, you know, masters are like the guys with all the money, right? Like, the, you know, think of them as the, they control everything. Like you're a master, masters have slaves because slaves are in debt to the masters. Therefore, they are slaves, right? And then we have this concept of servants, right? Which today would be what we would consider employees. They're not slaves, but they had a certain time that they had to show up and go to work. They had to uh, work for a, a specific period of time. They're going to be paid a certain amount, your eight to 10 hour shift, right? And then they, then they w- could, um, you know, go on with the rest of their day, right? So they're, they're serving the master. And it's funny, the book of Matthew says that you cannot serve both God and money. Okay. So if, if we cannot serve both God and money, what, what are we doing here? Right? If we are servants, we're working for a certain period of time to make money, and this is quite interesting, is that if you, as a servant, a thousand, two thousand years ago as a servant, if you worked long enough, you saved up enough money, you could actually buy your freedom and no longer be a servant. Right? Or there are even versions of, of getting like the, the mark of the master, like a piercing of the master in which you would actually be marked by them, which is really today our version of tenured, right? When you've worked for a company long enough, you've served that master long enough, now you're tenured based upon their employment program, right? So we have masters, we have servants, we have slaves, and then there's certainly there's laborers, right? Which would be independent contractors, which, you know, how we view it today, or I would view as an entrepreneurship, Right. And, and how they're paid, it's a predetermined amount that they're going to be paid for either the time that they're putting in. Right. It's a predetermined amount. Think of like a, a landscaping company. We'll use that or a project that you're having done, contractors of some sort. They're going to be paid a, a flat rate or a set amount rate based upon a predetermined rate or whatever it was going to take to fulfill that job. Right. So, if, if we're looking at as masters, laborers, servants, and slaves, and, and, and the Bible clearly says that we cannot serve God and money, how does that work as far as becoming an employee versus a laborer? Now, we all have to make money. We have to earn money. But this is where my, my challenge lies. If you are saying that you do not love money, but you are leaving your family, the people that you love, and you are going to a set amount, a, a set job, a set time frame, working an eight-hour shift, 10-hour shift, 40 hours, 50 hours a week job, you are leaving the ones that you so-called love to go serve, to make money, yet this is where it gets twisted. This is where I think so many Christians have this mentality that, that we're, or we are reliant on somebody to provide us money for a set amount of time that we've given them. And let me be clear here, the, the most valuable thing that any of us have is time. It isn't money, it, it's time. And the amount of time that we can spend fulfilling our God-given mission, right? 
So I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial this back into how this has evolved over the last 100, 150 years. We needed employees, right, to fulfill the, these jobs, these roles that were needed to go work in the manufacturing, the industrial revolution, the manufacturing plants, right? Henry Ford created the assembly line. We needed employees versus actual laborers, right? Which a laborer, which would be like, you're going to get paid X amount of dollars to build that car, right? We use that assembly line. Instead, we're going to get 100 people. They're each going to get paid an hourly rate. They're going to be fulfilling each role within the assembly line, and they're going to leave. And they all had a role within that versus just saying, you're going to get paid X amount of dollars to fulfill this, this order that we need to fulfill. Okay. So they needed to create, they needed to teach children because if, if they're going to do this right, they're going to start this out the gates, right? Let's teach children to go to school. Let's have them work for an hour, hour and a half. Let's give a, a recess break. Okay. Let's let them come back in. When the bell rings, we've got to sit down at our desk. The bell rings again. It's time to get back to work. The bell rings again. We've got lunch break. The bell rings again. We sit down. We work. We've got the afternoon break. Are you guys following me here? We are, we are creating employees. We are teaching them out the gates, children, how to become employees versus thinking critically, thinking creatively on our own. There's a, a textbook in 1929, a textbook where it was prior to this, it was like you go to school until the seventh grade and then you start your business, right? You go to school, you learn the common curriculum that we all need to learn to read, write, you know, do math. Let's learn about history. But then it's like you start your business and you go provide value in the marketplace, right? But that all changed when the Industrial Revolution needed to create employees. Now this new concept of teaching children how to memorize and how to do, do project-based concepts here. Okay, it, it fast forward with me now through through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, when the Lego company is a prime example. When Legos very first came out, it was kind of like just like Lincoln Logs, right? It was like you just get a set of them, you get a box of them, and you're supposed to build something, build your town, build your village, build whatever it was that you were going to build, right? But if you remember now, this has been happening for multiple decades into the second generation of the late 1980s, the Lego company is almost on the verge of bankruptcy. They're on the verge of bankruptcy because it's the second generation of creating employees where we've taught kids how to not think creatively. And so if, if, they're very, if you look this up, the very first Lego set that was created was the pirate ship. Right, we had they had to start creating sets where if you if and I've done many of these with my daughter here where we flip it open it's uh you know step one, put together the base step two add this step three and there's A B step four A B step five A B we're teaching kids how to follow directions, and how to work a a, a set period of time to accomplish whatever it is that the, that they're looking to accomplish. So Lego started this and that's when Lego really started to blow up. Right, verge of bankruptcy. They changed their model to creating Lego kits, Lego sets, versus just letting kids think creatively like they used to prior to this. Okay, so we're doing this. We're teaching kids throughout the years here on how to become employees. Which again, nothing wrong with it. 
However, I think now more than ever, we need to be able to teach kids. We need to raise up the next generation of leaders on how to think for themselves, how to think creatively, how to think outside the box versus just being told what to do, when they can do it, how they can do it, where they can do it. You guys following me on this? Okay. As Christians, as believers, we need to be the financial leaders. This is where I, I, I just so often, it, when Steve talks a lot about the khaki wearing Christian, just like the non-attractive Christian, right? Nobody wants it. If, we're, if our job is to further the kingdom, which by the way, our great assignment within our alignments, our, our great assignment is, is birth, right? Which is to go forth and multiply and take dominion over the earth, right? We are called to multiply and take dominion in all fashions, not just like produce and have children, right? But we need, we need to multiply. We need, we need to put this, this concept of entrepreneurship into play, okay? Now, if you look to at just how, how the, the educational system, this is a super interesting statistics that I looked up here. The educational system, you know, it rewards kids with best memorization skills. It rewards kids that listen the best versus those that are maybe, you know, act out of line or don't want to follow the directions. And it's funny, Vanderbilt University actually did this study and they followed basically like the, the valedictorians and, you know, the, the highest GPA students over a 10-year period. And they wanted to track them on where they were at. And it was interesting. They found that typically the kids or the students with the highest grade point average over time, that the kids with the highest grade point average went out of school and they became employees, right? They're very good at what they were taught to do which is memorize and learn to follow a process. So typically the A students ended up working for the B students and the B students usually worked for the C students in a, you know, in a management role. The C students were the ones that were like running the company and the D students were the ones that actually owned the business, right? Actually, if you had a GPA uh, of less than 2.5, 2.5 or less throughout school, statistically, you have a much higher percentage of becoming a millionaire with a lower GPA than those that have had higher GPAs. And here's the reason why. Those with lower GPAs, first off, they, they weren't rewarded for following directions, following the lines, but also they got to think creatively, right? It's like, I, I remember in high school, now I I was I, I had a decent enough GPA through high school and in college primarily because I knew what I wanted I knew what I was my goal was and what I wanted to accomplish therefore I was going to do that but it didn't mean that I didn't uh, find somebody else to do my Spanish homework in uh, high school now, sorry Miss Jensen if you're finding this out right now but I was able to think creatively to get to get the task done which I think is a lot of what entrepreneurs do is we got to think out the box so. For those parents listening who have kids that are struggling, don't think the way that they're supposed to think or are you know act out of line. Do not be discouraged, right? Those are typically the ones that are starting companies, starting businesses. They're they're figuring out how to get people to work for them in creating a service or a providing products that are providing tremendous value within the world today. So interesting little statistic on, on those with uh, lower GPAs versus those with, with higher GPAs. But anyways, 
when we get back to, I want to get back to just talking about money and just this concept of maybe just like this poverty mindset or this thought process that if you make money, you are greedy, right? Or if you make money, you must, you know, not be a Christian, right? Because most most people think think along these lines of if you know most Christians, and if you look at them, a lot of Christians go drive through most church parking lots. There's like some broke jalopy cars sitting in the parking lot. It's just like, why would anybody want to have that lifestyle? And and I know that that's not the life that that God called us. We are called to more than enough. We are called to excellence, right? We're not called to be broke, broken, and defeated. And this is is the, the, the thought process. This is the mindset that I think that has just warped us as believers over the, over the last few decades, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 plus years is this thought process that if you have money, you are a bad person. It's, it's completely false. Okay, because first off, it takes money to make some change, to make some difference in this world. Now, if you say, well, I just, I want to be a missionary. Awesome. How are you going to do that? You're going to go around and beg people for money? You're going to go ask people for donations? Now, if, if you're doing that for people, or you know what I what I know as as I'm learning of of prophet priests kings within the Bible, like there are kings that are called, and I know that I am one of them. I'm called to be able to earn great amounts of money and and income in this world, but it's it's how we steward it that is the most important. And wouldn't it be wouldn't it be more attractive, especially if you're a missionary, if you desire to be a missionary right now, if you you were able to think of a business or an idea or a concept that you never had to ask somebody else for money, but that you you had something on autopilot pilot that was producing income and revenue for you so you could go fulfill your mission, right? The vision for your life, the number one killer, I'll call it, of vision is lack of provision, Right, the the number one defeater of vision, right? We we can have oh, I want to uh, help these kids in Africa. I want to uh, build this uh, foundation. I want to do this. I want to do that. Awesome, but you gotta have money to be able to do any of that stuff, right? If if there is no provision, it's gonna be quite difficult to fulfill your vision. Okay, so I want to get back to this like. This this understanding that we it takes money to make things happen. Now some people think, well, it takes money to make money. I'm gonna that's not true at all. Very first first business I ever started, I had 673 bucks in my bank account, right? So that's not not true. I'll I'll and I'll get into that here in a second here. But if you have an idea concept about bringing something to the marketplace, that th- th- there's a the ability to create a business. That's entrepreneurship at the core. It's an understanding of, of bringing, you know, it could be the same product, same service that somebody else has, but bringing it in a unique way to the marketplace, you're an entrepreneur. You can start to create revenue streams with that right there. Okay, and that's what we teach people throughout our King's Council coaching program. So if you are an employee, again, nothing wrong with that, but I would challenge you to start to think of how you can get out of that employment. Now, you may love what you do, but at the end of the day, the economy tanks, you don't have a job, what are you going to do? Right? A lot of people think being in a, an entrepreneur or going into business for yourself is, is risky, right? It's, that's, that's too risky, right? The riskiest thing for me it would ever, that I ever thought of would, was having a job, that somebody else told me when I had to be there, you know, if the economy tanked, if 
something happened and I was laid off, now what? Hopefully I have savings. Hopefully I have money set aside that's going to provide me for this time versus actually using money to produce more money to produce more money. Do you get what I'm I'm saying here? Like this is that concept of the talent parable. Like we're supposed to, money is a tool that we're able to put to use to create more and more and more, right? What we sow, we are going to reap here. So if we get into money and, and just back to this concept where people think it's not important, yet you're still leaving the important things to go get it, which by the way, the only people that I ever hear say that, that money's not important are the ones that don't have it, <laughs> right? I mean, in all reality, that that's the case. Yeah, I never I never heard of a, a person with a lot of money that said that money isn't important, right? And, and really, all that is is a justification of why somebody doesn't have it. Okay, and it, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you if you have the ability to create it, you better go do it, right? Why would we have one life on this earth? We need to be maximizing it to truly make that impact and that change within this world, within the society that we're living in right now, especially if you have kids, right? And, and just on that note alone, if you're telling me that money is important, when your kids need shoes, tell me that money's not important, right? When your kiddos need lunch money, tell me that money's not important, right? How about this? I have a daughter. She's nine years old right now, but I know there's going to be a point in time where, where she's going to look to get married, right? And, and I fully would believe that that man would come to me and ask for my blessing on their marriage. And what's one of the first things that, as a father, fathers listening here, even mothers, what's one of the first thing that pops into your head when somebody asks you for your daughter's hand? Immediately, it's like, well, how are you going to take care of her? Right? So how are you going to tell me money's not important if that's some of the first thought processes going through our head? Right? It is important. However, that being said, I truly believe that God would rather have you broke in his word and with your family than chasing money. Okay, now follow me on this. If you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, which I believe is chasing money, right, with no additional like necessarily upside, except you hopefully maybe that you're going to be promoted, right? Hopefully your master will promote you to a higher servant level and you'll get that tenure, or you're going to save enough to actually get into retirement, which by the way is you cannot save your well, your money to retirement. That's It's not. Anybody that I've known in my life has never retired and then been okay for years to come. You need to put money to use to be able to produce more money. And if you're just, if you're saving yourself to hopefully eventually retire, if you have cash right now in your pocket, you are in debt. Let me say that again. If you have cash money, if you're like, well, I'm not, I don't put it in the banks. I don't put it on interest or anything. I just, I just save my cash. I'm telling you, you are in debt right now based upon inflation, especially now, 2020. Do you know how many trillions of dollars that they're just printing on demand? It's a made up concept of this value of that we, this paper that we have that we put this value on. So if you're sitting on cash right now, I'm telling you, you are in debt. Right? There's other versions or assets or things that we can use with this money to be able to put into play to, to use it for us versus using it against us. Okay, And if you have that concept of like, oh, well, God's just going to take care of me. right? I'm not, I'm not worried about that. God's, God's going to take care of me. I trust that. Yet you sit around and, and you know, watch TV or are spending foolishly and you just believe God's going to take care of you. I'm telling you, that ain't how it works. 
God's already given us the ability to take care of ourselves. It's how we steward it. Right? Look at the skill set of some of the greats in the Bible and how they, they applied themselves and worked hard. Right? It even says God created the birds of, of the air. Right? But the birds didn't just fly around and then all of a sudden uh, food just showed up in their belly. Right? No, they had to go get it. They had to go find. They had to hunt. They had to get their own food. We're, we're no different. Right? We got to be able to go get it. Okay, so if you are an entrepreneur, and some of you may be entrepreneurs, you may be have your own business, and this is, may rock your world a little bit too, because this rocked my world, the, this concept here, because I was always the guy that was grinding, hustling, working, working my tail off, because I liked it, I actually enjoyed it, right? But then other things came into play, like my wife, my daughter, new, new big rocks in my life that, that were more important. Yet I found myself still working constantly, you know, looking to, to chase that dollar, right? And I was working long hours. And then I thought back and I looked at like, what, what am I actually doing? The point is, I didn't, I didn't start a business to create a job. And so many of us as, as business owners, this, this idea that we're going to become a business owner or an entrepreneur, yet we're not actually, you know, running our business, our business is running us. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you are working more than 30, 35 hours a week, I'm here to challenge you that you're doing it wrong right? You're doing it wrong. If the point of it, entrepreneurship is to be able to leverage our time and our energy and our efforts so that we can do the things that matter most to us, which should be in alignment with relationship, right? Now, some of us are in a season right now where it's like, it's planting season. Like springtime, farmers are in the field. They're planting seeds, right? There's seasons for that because if they don't plant in the springtime, there ain't going to be any harvest, Okay, so I, I want to preface that, that there, there are times, there are seasons in everybody's life where we're planting seeds, but the most important part is where we are planting those seeds. How do we get the most yield come harvest time, right? So that's the thought process. That's the concept or understanding of, of true entrepreneurship is how are we able to get the most yield for our time, energy, and effort that's going to allow us to fulfill the God-given mission that we have for our lives, so back to this concept of, of people that, that are saying money's not important. I know I've, I've hit this as hard, and I, it's partly because I hear this so much, just from people that you know, I'm around. And again, it's, it's always those that, that don't have it that, that make this justification in their head. And it's easy to have a conversation with them because I would actually just challenge anybody here to do an experiment. Anybody that hasn't listened to this podcast or the, this concept here, and ask them if they're believers. I want let, to let's preface it with this. They don't have to be believers, but if they're believers, it's usually the, the Christians that have this concept or this idea that that money's not important to me. And ask them if they were to get, uh, let's say, a ten percent raise at their job right now. If they were to get a ten percent raise, what would they do with that money? Most are going to talk about like, oh, well, I'd go, you know what, man, I'd go, I'd uh, go buy a TV, I'd go on a trip, I'd. I'd get a new car, whatever that is, right? It's it's what whatever they're gonna get, you know, me, 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 I, whatever they're they're gonna get, right? Yet yet money's not important to them, right? And if you ask them another question of like, let's just say um, you have a, a grandfather, an uncle, or somebody that passes away, right? A rich uncle that finally kicks the bucket, right? He ends up leaving you an, an inheritance. A bunch of money comes in your way. What are you gonna do with it, right? And then they get all of a sudden they get. They get super generous. It's like, oh, well, I would do this in Africa. I would just set up a homeless shelter. I would do this. It's like, oh, so you can only be generous when you have money? 
right? Isn't that like the greediest concept? And this is the warped mentality that I think so many Christians have is money's not important, but when it comes to when they've got a bunch of it, then they want to be generous, right? And this concept of like e- even tithing, we'll do a whole nother episode on that. <laughs> but just like people want to talk about money not being important, yet they get a raise and they, they want to buy something for themselves. But if they just get it, you know, uh, uh, an inheritance, they're going to talk about how they're going to give and what they're going to do. And it's great to think that way. But I'm telling you, money only makes you more of who you already are. And I am a prime example of that, right? When I first, a, a decade ago, when I first started to make the seven-figure income, it really truly exposed who I was. And I was not a good dude, right? I wasn't, I was not stewarding my money. I bought so many silly things. I was, yeah, it was, it was just like this, this time in my life where I just, it didn't, it didn't matter to me, right? So I'm telling you, if, if your core values aren't in line, if you don't have a true foundation of where you are right here, right now, and you expect to go make a lot of money and then you're going to be generous, telling you that's not how it works, you got to have that concept, that, that philosophy, that core value, that generosity within your heart right now. And that's what God's going to bless. Entrepreneurship is for everyone, right? It really truly is the great equalizer. Anybody can be an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what race you are, what religion you are. Entrepreneurship is truly the great equalizer, right? It's really your only hope to actually get out of debt, and then turn it into an an income producer, right? Entrepreneurship is everywhere. You can do it in prison, right? It's it's online, third world countries. There's still entrepreneurship, right? It's creating a value and bringing it to the marketplace. So a lot of us are thinking, okay, well, if it's it's for everyone, like, what do I do? What, What, how do I make this work? I don't have any ideas or uh, maybe you do have ideas, right? This is always a fun process. It's just like start to think about like, what is it that you like? What do you want to do, right? And typically, usually it's like, well, that's a bad idea, right? Because entrepreneurship isn't necessarily what you what you like or what you desire. You got to be open to understanding like, what does the marketplace desire? And if you're like, well, I really like vineyards. I'd like, I'd like wine. Maybe I'll start a vineyard, right? And unless you got $5 million ready to buy a bunch of land and make that happen, it's probably going to be quite difficult, right? So think about this in a way which you can have a starter business. You can create a business with little to nothing out-of-pocket expense. Set up your, your LLC with whatever state that you're in for 150 bucks, maybe, 200 bucks at the most, and you could be in business. You can go get a business bank account. You can set that up, and you can start to build your business, right? Don't think that you have to just start, oh, I have this huge vision. You can have a starter business and then use that as a stepping stone. Believe me, my first companies that I started, one of the first ones I started was like selling insulation in homes. Like imagine that, insulation in homes, right? Do you think I know anything about it? Or that's like my real passion is just to, oh man, I'm just really passionate about insulating homes. No, my passion was to the, was the vision that I had for my life, right? If I was able to provide a product or a service that provided value to people, I knew that I could monetarily make 
a return on that. And then I could use that money to invest into another opportunity, into another opportunity. And ultimately that brought me to where I am today. One of the things that I want to make reference to as well is that, you know, there's, there's plenty of money to go around. Because I feel like so many people think that them making money, and I think this is the uh, just a concept that has been kind of ingrained into us, that us making money is a form of greed or a form of you know taking it away from someone. And I'm telling you, that's not true. I mean, look at the Fed here in the US. Like Again, they're just printing it. So you making it is not taking it away from anybody else, right? There's plenty of money to go around. You not letting yourself make it doesn't save more for other people, just as you making it doesn't take it away from them. We have the ability to create wealth, to create abundance. And if we're truly going to make an everlasting impact, right, a generational impact, I believe is threefold. Certainly there's the monetary portion of it, right? It's helpful to have money, to put things in motion, to pay people, to do tasks, to do jobs, to build infrastructure. Money's important. Your intellect, how you think, these concepts, the wisdom that you're able to pass on, it's important. But I think the most important one is our character, a true legacy that will last from generation to generation to generation is threefold. There's certainly the money, there's our intellect, but what's most important is the character, the traits that we are teaching our children, which ultimately are teaching our children's children. That's the true legacy that we're leaving. And that's how we need to approach life and becoming the CEOs of our own life and approaching life as an entrepreneur, an undertaker. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.